Real series, our Get Real series, and I'm excited to give you a message uh, from the book of Psalms today. You don't have to to turn. We're going to look at Psalm chapter 30, but you don't have to turn there yet. It's going to be a little bit. We've got some other verses we want to jump in, but this Get Real series is all about how to have honest conversations with God, how to have honest conversations with the creator of the universe. And isn't that amazing that at any moment, at any place, we can just take a moment, we can take a time out, and we can pray, and the creator of the universe hears us. And not only that, like, he responds to us, right? He answers us. We can literally have a conversation. We can have an honest relationship with God. He hears us, and, uh, and, and he responds. So maybe that's through just a gentle whisper in our spirit. Maybe that's through a verse that God puts in our heart. Maybe it's even through an audible voice and God can respond that way. Maybe it's a person that he sends down your path. Maybe it's uh, through just a, a feeling of peace. Just kind of like uh, we, we heard shared in that, that dream of, man, I just felt peace when I saw Jesus. And, and, and he gives us that peace, right? And so in the first two Psalms that we looked at, we looked at Psalm 62 and Psalm 73. These were these were prayers. These were cries from the gut. I mean, these were, these were desperate prayers. These were, these were spoken from real honest pain, and they were honest conversations. In Psalm 62, we saw David cry out. He said, find rest, O my soul, and God alone. Right? He's sitting there. He's talking to himself. He's like, I know you know it up here, but heart, come on. Oh, my soul, find rest. Where do I find it? I find it in God alone. So he's crying out. In that psalm, and in Psalm 73, we looked at last week, uh, Asaph, David's worship leader. He was sitting there leading people in worship, but he, man, he had big questions, and they were stewing and brewing inside, and so eventually he had enough and finally cried out to God. He even felt like it was irreverent, but he's saying, God, I don't understand. Why do the wicked prosper? I don't get it, God. I, I don't get it. I don't understand why all these bad people, good things are happening to them. And here I am. I've been doing the best that I can. I've been following your rules. And what do I get for it? Pain, afflictions, suffering. God, I don't get it. And he cried out to God. And when he did that, God, God answered him. And, and God showed him the bigger picture. Right? So those, those psalms, they were honest conversations with God because of the pain and the emotion that they were spoken with. But today's psalm is it's a different kind of honest conversation with God. Its honesty doesn't come from emotion or the pain of the moment. Its honesty doesn't come because it was made from a desperate place. But today's psalm is an honest conversation with God because it was well thought out. It was planned. It was intentional. This was not written by David. Again, this psalm was written by David that we're looking at today. It wasn't written by him in a night, but it was developed over time and he chose each word carefully. You know, in a marriage, you have many different kinds of conversations with your spouse. Uh, sometimes it's just the, how's it going conversation. You know, you get home from a busy day. Tell me about your day. How's life going? You know, you have a nice conversation over supper. Uh, other times it could be just reminiscing. You know, you're looking back in the past. You know, you're out on a date. Maybe you're talking about, man, can you remember when we were just young? You remember when we met? You remember this? Man, and you look back and you reminisce. Other conversations that you have are just, man, you just laugh together, right? You ever just do that with your spouse? You're just laughing about something silly that doesn't, I mean, cat videos or something like that. You know, you're just sitting there scrolling through YouTube and it's just like, 
For some reason, it tickles your funny bone. I mean, every marriage probably has something you just laugh about that nobody else gets, right? But you do. And, and so you just take that time and you laugh together. Other times you have heart-to-heart conversations where it's just deep, this emotional pain that's coming out and you share your feelings. You know, maybe these happen every day for you. Maybe these are like once a decade. Okay, we'll, we'll talk feelings today, right? And you have these heart-to-heart moments. Other times you're just quiet. You don't have to say a word. You just enjoy being in each other's company. But then there's, there's another type of conversation. Uh, and some of us enjoy having these conversations. Some of us don't. But they're, they're things we need to plan out. You know, it's, hey, what needs to get done? Let's make the grocery list. Let's write it down. Let's write down the to-do list, the projects we need to get done. Or even further beyond that, the, the planning things out. Hey, what are our goals? Let's, let's create a budget so we tell our money what it needs to do, right? Let's sit down and do that. Uh, let's, let's talk about what's our five-year plan, what's our 10-year plan, what do we want to do? What do we want to do for our spiritual goals uh, as a family? How do we want to raise our kids, right? And you have these, these conversations, and eventually we all, we all need to have that. These, these conversations of where we're going, maybe we write those things down. Well, in Psalm chapter 30, uh, this is a logical, well-thought-out conversation between God and and David. It's kind of like those last ones. Hey, we're going to plan it out. We're going to write it out. We're going to make sure this thing is perfect. And uh, we know that this was more of a logical conversation because in Psalm chapter 30, the heading reads, a psalm, a song for the dedication of the house of David. See, this was a prayer that was to be read and to be sung at the the dedication of, of the house of David. This was something intentional. Right? This was something that uh, didn't just happen in a night, but it was well planned out. We're going to dedicate this house, and these are the words that I'm carefully picking for what's happening today. Now, as a pastor, I've been asked many times to kind of have a you know, prayer of dedication, right? A, a formal prayer, a, you, know, fan, you know, hey, get up and give the benediction for this event, or pray over uh, this, this job, or uh, this new business, or pray over this house, and and uh, I remember the first time that I got asked to do like a formal prayer at an event, uh, it was a fancy event. I mean, we're talking suit and tie. We're talking, you know, important people were, were there. And uh, at this point, you know, I'm just a couple years out of college, but I've prayed countless times on my own. Uh, I've prayed in front of people a ton. Uh, I've taught people how to pray. But for some reason, I was nervous to pray, right? Because this is a new audience. This is a new place. I don't know what I'm doing. And uh, so I just really didn't want to mess up. I wanted to honor God. I wanted to point people towards Jesus because this was a place where, man, yeah, some people had a relationship with Jesus, but there was many who didn't. And I wanted to make sure that, man, I, I did it right. Now, you may think it's silly, but I struggled with this question. Should I write my prayer down? Right? That, was, that was something going on in my head. Should I write my prayer down? And the reason I struggled with this was because, uh, I mean, I don't want people looking at me like, that guy's a pastor and he, can't, he doesn't even know how to pray. He needs notes to pray. Right? So I, I didn't want that. But at the same time, I was like, okay, I've got like 60 seconds. I want to make sure that every word counts. So I, I went back and forth on this, like, should I write down my prayer? People are going to think weird of me if I write something down and, and, and read it off and, and uh, you know, they're going to notice I'm not closing my eyes, but that means they're not closing their eyes. And, you know, just this whole thing's going on in my brain and I really struggle with this, but eventually I came on the point of like, okay, I'm going to write it down. I'm going to write it down because I want to make sure every word counts. So I 
man, I spent more time on that prayer than I've spent on any other prayer in my lifetime, just writing it down, making sure that every word counted. And what's interesting to note is that as I did that, I discovered that just because I wrote down my prayers, it didn't mean that they were less honest. In fact, it made them more honest because they were more intentional than I'd ever prayed before. It was the most time I'd ever spent on a 60-second prayer. I mean, I wanted every phrase, every word uh, to honor God. And, and that's what I, I view this prayer as in Psalm 30 that David writes down. He was writing it down to make sure every word counted. You know, maybe you're here today and, and uh, you've struggled with prayer. You know, you're just like, man, I've tried praying, but I'm not good at it. I don't have the words to say. I don't know what to say. You know, that I just struggle. I fumble with those things. Or, or, or maybe you're like, well, I do pray, but God never answers my prayer. So why, why even pray? I just must not be a good prayer, right? So maybe you're sitting there today. Uh, or maybe, maybe today you're sitting here and you're just like, you know what? I, yeah, I pray. But there's definitely just some strongholds in my life that just don't seem to go away. Or, or maybe there's just, man, there's chaos in my home, and man, I really want God to do something about it, and I want to see that broken, or in my job, man, I, every day I get up, and it's just a struggle to go to work, and it's difficult, or, you know, whatever it might be, maybe there's just this big stronghold in your life. And if that's you today, let me ask you this question, because I believe it could really help you having honest conversations with God. Uh, have you ever written out a prayer before? Think about that. In your life, have you ever written down your prayer? Now, this is a healthy habit to do just on a daily basis. If you've ever had a, just a journal before, you can buy a journal and just write down, write down your prayers. You know, just off the cuff, this is what I'm praying for today. This is what I'm asking God for today. And, and that's, that's a really healthy habit because you can look back and you can actually see, did God answer that prayer? Where sometimes we just pray on a daily basis. We don't think about that. We don't look back and think, okay, did God answer this prayer? So there, there's that habit. But beyond that, have you written out a prayer that you've gone over time and time again? That, I mean, you've really gone through with a fine-tooth comb and you say, no, this is exactly, this is exactly the prayer that I want to pray, that I want to ask God uh, what's right. Because I believe both of those can be very beneficial to us. And I want to talk about that a little bit today because I believe that this is what David did when he wrote that psalm. He, he went over, he made sure man, every word is right. It was intentional. It was planned. It was for this big moment in his life that he needed to sum up how he got there and where he wanted to go. He wanted to know what, what are the goals? What, what are we going to use this place? What are we going to use this house of David for? Now, like I said, this, this psalm was a dedication. Psalm 30 was a dedication of the house of David. And, you know, scholars have kind of debated what is the house of David? Uh, was it his literal house that he built? Or was the house of David like word for the temple? Uh, what he had planned out. Uh, he didn't get to build it. His son Solomon later would get to build it. So which one is it? And uh, today we're going to look at, at David's house, his literal house, his palace. And so if you got your Bibles, you can open them up to 2 Samuel chapter 5. 2 Samuel chapter 5, because in it we find the only two verses in the Bible that talk about what David's house looked like and what it was for. Uh, the same two verses are echoed in First uh, Chronicles as well. But these are the first two uh, verses in Second Samuel chapter 5 where we see all the details of David's house. And it's not an exhaustive list here, but this is what we got. So verse 11, it says this in chapter 5. Now Hiram, king of Tyre, sent envoys to David along with cedar logs and carpenters and stonemasons. 
and they built a palace for David. Then David knew that the Lord had established him as king over Israel and had exalted his kingdom for the sake of his people, Israel. So, like I said, we don't, we don't know much about David's palace. We don't know much about the physical specs. You can go in and see Solomon, his son. You can see all the, the work that he put into it. But we don't know much about David's place. We know it was made by expert craftsmen. We, we know that it was made uh, of cedar and stone, the finest materials they had available. We don't know how many levels it had. We don't know how big that it was. Uh, but I think we can surmise this wasn't a shack, all right? And uh, at the same time, it wasn't the temple that David was planning on building for God. So it's somewhere between shack and temple, all right? Palace. That's where we're at. David's got a nice place. Now, you might be tempted to think, I mean, look at this guy, David. He's got it all. He's got a palace. I ain't got a palace, but David's got a palace. His life must be pretty cush. It must be pretty easy. But let me tell you, looks can be deceiving. See, because for almost 10 years, almost a decade of his life, David had lived as a man on the run. He lived as a man running. Uh, he lived in caves because the current king wanted to, to take his life. So he was hiding uh, away from, from King Saul. Uh, at one point in his life, he went over to the enemy's side and uh, pretended he was a crazy man uh, so that they wouldn't touch him. And uh, has anybody pretended to be crazy for a year of your life so that you could stay alive? That was David, right? He's gone through some difficult circumstances. He's gone through some tough things. So on the day that his house was finally built, that he had a palace, this was a big day. This wasn't just handed to him. This was something that he had, he had lived many years for. He'd done a lot of difficult things. He probably thought, you know, God had anointed him as, as king uh, and, and told him, hey, you're going to be a king when he was just a shepherd boy, when he was just a young guy. And he probably thought by this time, no way. Ain't happening, right? I, I'm, I'm a wanted criminal almost out here. Even though I didn't do anything wrong, there's no way I'm going to be king of Israel. But the day had arrived, and he had a palace. And this was all of God's promises coming into being in this moment, right? So, hey, maybe some of you can relate to some of David's story. Remember a time in your life when you had maybe nothing. You started out with nothing. You weren't handed anything, but you, you worked hard and you built up. Your, your place on your own. So that first time you got that first car, you got that first house, I mean, it was a special moment. It wasn't something that was easily uh, acquired. Nobody handed it to you. It wasn't willed to you or anything like that. It was, I worked hard to get to this place. That was a, that was a special moment. It was a special moment for David. This was a long time coming. And in verse 12 uh, of the second Samuel chapter 5, it tells us three things that David knew in this moment when his house was built. And it said the first one was that the Lord established David as king, right? He knew in this moment, hey, God, you've established me as king, right? I, I was anointed a long time ago, uh, but man, I never thought I'd get to this moment. But now here I am. God, you've got me in this place for a reason. I could have been a lot of other places. I, I could have died a long time ago, but God, you brought me here. I must be here for a reason. And I believe the same thing for us today, that God has you in a place for a reason. God has you placed where you are for a reason. The home that you're living in, God's got you there for a reason. The, the apartment building that you're in, God's got you there for a reason, right? The, the job that you're working, you could have been working a thousand other jobs in a thousand other cities, but he doesn't have you there. He has you right here. He has you right in the job that you're in right now. Even if you just picked up that job last week to make 
ends me, right? God's got you in the place for a reason. He's got you around the people that you're around for a reason. He's got you around your neighbors and your coworkers for a reason. It's not a coincidence. It's not an accident. God has you in places for a reason, for a specific purpose. And David realized in this moment, in this moment, that this was no ordinary home, but God placed him as king for a reason. His life had purpose. Church, you've got purpose. You're not an accident. You're not in places accidentally. God's got you there for a reason. So let's change our opinion. Let's change our thinking. God, I'm here for a purpose. I'm at my job for a purpose. I'm in this home next to these noisy neighbors for a purpose. Second thing that David knew. It says that David knew that God had exalted his kingdom. That God had exalted his kingdom. See, David didn't get this position because of how great David was. David didn't get this uh, to live in this fancy house because of all the victories that he had won. David was here because God had blessed him. God had given him a kingdom to rule. Without God, David wouldn't be in this place, right? God had exalted David's kingdom, not David. See, all that you have, church, God has given you. I want you to think about that for a moment. All that you have, God has given you. This is something that, that David knew and David understood. Your family. God's given you your family. Your job. God's given you your job. God's given you that place. Your abilities. Your abilities that you have, uh, that you use to get that job. God's given you those abilities. The resources that you have, the house, the car, the land, the equipment, the space, the bank account. God has given you those things. See, these are all God-designed and God-given. I look at my family, right? And I look at my kids. We've got four kids now. They're all different. They're all different heights. They're all different hair colors. They all have uh, different uh, emotions and feelings and abilities. And, and man, they're just so diverse. And it's just like, man, how do we have, you know, maybe you look at your own family. It's just like, are you guys even like brothers and sisters? Like, I don't get this, right? And, and so we're all different. It's like God's given us this. That, that wasn't you. That wasn't me. God, God gave us our family. God gave us our family. He, gave, he made each one of us unique. And when we view everything uh, as our own, it, it's hard to let go, right? When we view all of our family as our own, it's hard to let go. When we view our job as our own, it's hard to let go. When we view our abilities as our own, it's hard to share. It's hard to give things away. It's hard to bless other people. But when we recognize the source where it all comes from, it becomes easier. And we don't hold so tight to our possessions. We don't hold so tight uh, to the things that we, we think this world is all about. But we trust in God and we trust that he's got the best plan. We can even trust God for our family. See, David recognized that the kingdom wasn't his own, but it truly was God's kingdom. It was God's kingdom. These were God's people. This, this was God's house. This was God's throne. David just got to keep it warm for a little while. So in the same way, man, everything we've been given has been given by God. We just get to be stewards of it. Where does the money go? Where do the resources go? How, how can we use these to lift God up and to give him glory rather than give ourselves glory? The third thing, David knew that, that God had given him this kingdom and he had given this house, not for his own sake, but for the sake of the people, for the sake of others. See, David wasn't there to serve himself. David wasn't there to sit on his throne and make his servants feed him grapes by hand. Like, that's not why David was there. But David saw this, this palace and he said, you know what, this is going to be a place 
This is going to be a place where, where people can come and find refuge in difficult times. This is going to be a place where people can come and find justice. This is going to be a place where people can come and, and in times of need, they can find supplies. They can find resources. This wasn't a place to elevate David. This was a place to help his people. That's what his house was going to be used for. That's what he understood in that moment. And God has placed you where you are, and he's given you all that you have so you can bless others. So you can bless others. God has blessed you so you can bless others. God's blessed you so you can bless others. Not so that you can say, look how great I am. So you can say, how can I help you? See, this is huge because when we catch this, man, when we catch this, a couple things happen. Number one, it brings unity in the church. When you start blessing the people around you, man, that brings unity. It's really hard to be mad at somebody who brings you an apple pie, right? I've never been mad at somebody who is like, hey, I made this for you. Oh, that's nice. Man, that brings some unity. Just baking something or opening your home or, or just helping somebody and just working along somebody, side somebody, helping somebody in a moment of crisis, right? And, and when we do that, it builds unity in the church. Not only that, it, it builds, uh, it gives glory to God in our community. It gives glory to God in our community. When you go and help your neighbor out, when, when you go and, and, and give a gift to somebody, man, it gives glory to God in the community. Like, that was nice. They didn't have to do that. Why'd they do that? Oh, because they followed Jesus. That's why we did it. We just we love people. That's what we're all about. Love God, love people, share Christ, right? That's what we do. And so when we do those things, when we use our blessings to bless others, uh, man, it gives glory to God in our communities. And what I love about our church, what I love about our AFA family is I've seen you do this. I mean, almost on a weekly basis. Uh, I've seen somebody, you know, bake something and, and bring it over to somebody, not for any reason, but just because. Uh, I've seen you open up your homes to someone in need. Hey, I've got, I've got an extra bedroom. I've got a couch you can crash on, right? You don't have to have much, but man, that couch that I bought, I'm going to use it for the glory of God, right? I'm going to help other people out. Uh, I've seen people just fix stuff right? You see somebody in a crisis like, my car's broken down. Well, hey, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'll, I'll try to help you out, right? And I've seen people fix stuff or give people a tow. I've seen people who uh, just bless people with money, you know, just say, hey, you know what? I don't know why, but God told me to give you this. And I, I've seen that. Uh, music, you, you use your musical skills and ability to bless others, to, to use that gift to glorify God. You invite someone over to your house, right? That might be plain and simple. You got this house, it's just like, what do I do? I don't know. Invite somebody over. Entertain them. You know, just get together with people. Uh, give a pie. Give a watermelon to your neighbor, right? Or just time. We've all got time on our hands. How we use that? Are we generous with our time? Maybe it's just watching somebody's kids. Maybe it's just going out and say, hey, let's just go to the park together. Let's just walk and talk. Uh, and we're just generous with our time. We're, we're use, we've all got something to give. Maybe it's sewing a blanket. Maybe it's just inviting someone to be with you. We've all got resources to give and to bless other people with. God's given us these blessings to bless others. See, when we realize that all that we have is not our own, but it's God's, it's much easier to let go of those things. It's much easier to say, this is yours, God. It's much easier when a missionary comes here on a Sunday morning to say, you know what? It's not my money. God, I'm giving it to you because I want to see your glory happen throughout this world. See, David knew that God had blessed him with a kingdom blessed him with a palace, and not to give David the glory, but to give God the glory. So when we're looking at this palace, this was no ordinary day. 
This was a big day. This was a big moment in David's life. This was a fulfillment that God had made him. So I want you to open your Bibles to Psalm chapter 30. And we're going to see the words that, that David intentionally mapped out to celebrate this day. This was going to be a place. Again, God, you've given me this place. You've got me here for a reason, for a purpose. God, all that I have, I have because you gave it to me. Man, every log, every stone in this house, God, is because you gave it to me, right? And, and I want to use it to bless others. So that's the mindset that David's coming into this place on. And so he pens these words. I don't know if it was a pen back then. He did something to write these things down uh, to, clearly we know he wrote them down because we still have the words today, right? So he writes out Psalm chapter 30 here. And I want to read you these verses because this is what was, was sung. This is what was prayed when this house was dedicated to the Lord. So Psalm 30 verse 1 says this, I will exalt you, Lord, for you lifted me out of the depth and did not let my enemies gloat over me. Lord, my God, I called to you for help and you healed me. You, Lord, brought me up from the realm of the dead. You spared me from going down to the pit. Sing the praises of the Lord, you his faithful people. Praise his holy name. For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. When I felt secure, I said, I will never be shaken. Lord, when you favored me, you made my royal mountain stand firm. But when you hid your face, I was dismayed. To you, Lord, I called to the Lord. I cried for mercy. What is gained if I am silenced? If I go down to the pit, will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your faithfulness? Hear, Lord, and be merciful to me. Lord, be my help. You turned my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and you clothed me with joy that my heart might sing your praises and not be silent. Lord, my God, I will praise you forever. I'll praise you forever. So these are the words that David took time to write down. This wasn't just an emotional prayer. This was a, he thought it out. He wrote it down. He took time to consider each and every word that he used to dedicate this house. So let's, let's look through that for a moment. In verses 1 through 4, he started out by recognizing who he was talking to. He started out by acknowledging God, right? Man, this, this, is, this is God. I'm, I'm praying to God. I'm singing to God. I'm dedicating this place to God. And he remembered uh, and he thanked God for what he had done. God, thank you for victory. Man, there's, there's so many times I was almost defeated. But God, you gave me victory. You, you brought me to this place. And he thanked God for healing. I don't know how many times he was injured on the battlefield or uh, all those different things. But God, I'm still alive today. God, you brought me healing. You're, you're my healer, God. And he thanked God for preserving his life. Man, I could have been dead in a cave somewhere. But God, I'm not. I'm here today and you've exalted me as king over Israel. And he said all of this in verse 4, the natural response to this, to everything that God has done, is praise. Man, God, I'm going to lift you up. I, I'm going to praise your name. Sing the praises of the Lord, you his faithful, name, faithful people. Praise his holy name. You know, if you've ever found it hard to praise God, right, you're here on a Sunday morning and you're like singing the words, but you just don't feel it. Anybody been there before? Right, you're trying to lift your hands, but you just don't feel it. Here's what I want you to do. Just start remembering everything God's done for you. Start thanking him, right? Just God, thank you for victory in my life. 
God, God, thank you for all the, all the prayers that you've answered in my life. God, thank you for saving me. God, I remember back to that day, man, where I was saved and I was down and out and I had no hope, but God, you saved me, right? Thank you for healing me. God, for bringing me here today. Thank you for preserving my life. And you start thanking God for all the things that he's done for providing for your needs. And watch what happens. The praise will start to flow. It, it won't be so hard anymore because our natural response to what God has done is praise. So if you find it hard to praise someday, man, just, just start thanking God. Just start remembering what God's done. So that's how David starts his prayer. He starts out by acknowledging what God has done, that, that he saved him, he preserved his life, he brought him here to this moment. The second thing that he does in verses 5 through 7 is he starts, uh, I'll call, he starts laying out the principles of the palace, uh, the beliefs that, that he has of this is the moment, this is what it's going to be like, this is what we're going to do. Uh, these are the principles of the palace today, all right? And so this is what he starts going through. And he says, uh, I understand this. We're going to go through difficult times here in this kingdom. In the kingdom of Israel, we're going to go through difficult times. It's life. We're going to go through hard times. We're going to go through hard th seasons. We're, we're going to mess up and do dumb stuff. And, and we're going to have sin in our life. We're going to go through hard times. There's going to be nights of weeping. But the good news is this, that the difficult times won't last when we keep the Lord our God. So we're always going to remember God, even in the difficult times, even in the dark times. We're going to remember what God does because weeping, it lasts for the night. But man, rejoicing comes in the morning. Rejoicing comes in the morning. Uh, God, your anger lasts for a moment, but your favor God, that lasts a lifetime. So even in the dark times, God, we're going to stay faithful to you. We're, we're going we're to remember that. So that's going to be a principle in my house, in, in this palace. The principle of the palace is even in the dark times, God, we're going to trust in you. And that's what he said. This, this, going forward, everybody in my kingdom, everybody who comes in this house, when we go through a tough time, we're going to trust in God. Not only that, he keeps going on. He starts talking about God's presence. And man, God, when I'm in your presence, I feel secure. I feel like I could shout out, I will not be shaken. God, you've established this place in your presence. But man, when your presence leaves this place, I'm scared. I'm worried. So God, a principle, my palace is going to be your presence, right? Your presence needs to be in this place. Because if your presence isn't in this palace, watch out. That's going to be a scary thing. So God, my prayer today is that your presence would always dwell in this place. That your presence would always be in this place. And those are some good principles. We're going to trust God in the difficult times. And God, we're going, to, we're going to ask for your presence to be here every day. Right? Who needs that in their home? Right? Who needs that in their family? Who needs that in their job? And that's what, what David says. We're going to trust in you, God. We're going to trust in you for these things. And these are the, these are the beliefs. These are the principles of the palace. In verses 8 uh, through the rest of it, this is where he starts turning and he starts asking for a blessing. Right? And he asked for a blessing from God, and he starts saying, so Lord, be merciful to us. God, we're going to mess up. We're going to do stupid things. But God, be merciful to us. God, be merciful to us when, when we stray. God, be merciful to us. God, help us. Point us back on the path. God, may every crack, may every joint, may every log, may every stone in this house be full of your mercy, be full of your grace. God, would you bless this home? Turn our mourning into dancing. Turn our sorrow into joy. We don't deserve it, God, but we need your mercy. We need your mercy every day. We need your mercy today and tomorrow and forever. May this be a place 
that's full of singing and worship to you, that gives you glory because of your mercy, and we're rejoicing in your mercy every day. And then the very last thing he did in the the last part of verse 12 is he made a commitment. He made a commitment. He says, Lord, I will give you thanks forever. He made a commitment. Remember that song we just sang? I choose to praise. I choose to praise. You ain't going to feel like praising every day, right? David wasn't going to feel like, man, God, you're so good every day. He wasn't going to wake up on the right side of the bed every day. But even on those difficult days, even on those down days, even when the enemy was attacking, right? Even when there was disunity inside the kingdom, even on those days, he was going to wake up and say, you know what? I choose to praise. I choose to praise because God, you're worthy of it. And I will, I will thank you and I will praise you forever. I will praise you forever. So that, that was what he did in, in this, this prayer. That's what he planned out. He, he acknowledged God. He shared his beliefs. These are the principles of the palace that we're going to have going forward. He, he, he asked for blessing and he made a commitment. It's as easy as A, B, B, C. It's close. Almost got there. Right? And and so he laid it all out and he said, God, this is what we're going to do. This is where we're going to go. This is what I want this place to be known for. See, church, we, we serve a God who wants to bless you. We serve a God who wants to bless you. He wants to see you succeed. He, he wants to see you triumph. He wants to see you have victory in your life. And he's got a great plan for you. How do we know this? Because before you ever asked, before you ever decided, man, I need a savior, before you ever got into trouble, before you did any of that, before you were even born, God put a rescue plan in place. And he said, I'm going to send my son because I know that my people, they're going to they're gonna mess up. They're going to go the wrong way. They're going to feel like they're in a pit that they can't get out of. But I'm going to send my son Jesus to die in their place. Man, talk about somebody who knew dedication. Jesus knew dedication. And he dedicated his life to you. To you. He, he lived this life perfectly for you so that he could die on a cross and take the punishment for your sin for my sin, right? And he lived his life dedicated so that you could have a second chance, so that you could have a second opportunity, so that we can cry out to God and say, God, would you forgive me? And he will purify, he'll come in and he'll change your life and make you new and he'll show you your purpose. And today salvation can be yours, freedom can be yours. God's just waiting for you to ask. He's just waiting for you to ask. And in the same way, God's waiting for you to ask for his blessing on on your home. His blessing on your family, his blessing on your job. Matthew 7, 7 tells us that ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. But if we never ask God, how are we going to receive it? If we never ask for his forgiveness, how is he ever going to give it to us? Right? If, if we never ask God to, to bless our home, to bless our family, to bless our job, how is that going to happen? How is that blessing going to come unless we ask? See, we serve a good heavenly father and he wants to bless you. We just need to be willing to ask like David did. So uh, today when you came in, 
Uh, hopefully all of you got one of these. If you didn't get one of these, it just says my prayer on it. We've got some ushers. They'll be around, and uh, you can just put your hand up. We want everybody to have uh, just a copy uh, of this because I want to give you uh, an easy action step today uh, to write down your prayer. Even if you don't have this, you can grab a piece of paper too, but if you need one, just raise your hand. We've got some ushers that can be around uh, to hand those out. Uh, but today, again, getting back to that, if prayer is a struggle for you, Right? If prayer is a struggle for you and you feel like God hasn't answered your prayers or if you don't have the right words to say, then here's my challenge for you this week. Take this paper and just start writing out your prayers. Start writing down what you're asking God to do. Simple, right? Or go get a journal. You can do that daily. And then I want you to go back and, and look at those and see how has God answered? How has God responded? Because sometimes we, we pray, we take our prayers for granted we take when God answers our prayers for granted, right? We say, God, just protect me. Give me safe travel. And then we get to the end of our destination. We got there safe and we're just like, well, well, yeah, I was supposed to get here safe. That wasn't you, God, right? Or uh, we pray, God, keep me healthy. God, keep us strong. Keep our family healthy. And then you go for a stretch and you're all healthy. Well, yeah, that wasn't God. That was just, you know, circumstances. That was just, you know, and we write all these things off. No, when we go back and we look, Hey, God, we prayed for health, and guess what? God, you answered that prayer. Thank you, Jesus. You know, and you start looking at all those things of, man, I, I asked for provision. I asked God to help us get us through the month, and because I wrote it down, I can go back and see, God, you did get us through. You helped us to pay those bills. You helped us to get through that difficult time. You, God, you, you, we, we prayed for unity in our family, and man, now things are really starting to mesh, and, and you start to see God's hand move in your life simply because you wrote down your prayer. But I also want to give a challenge to those of you who maybe you're, again, you're dealing with, a, with some strongholds in your life, some difficult things. Maybe it's just like, man, my house just seems in chaos. I keep teaching my kids the right way, but they just seem to be straying and going down the wrong paths and hanging out with the wrong friends and doing the wrong things. And Or, or man, I just really don't like going to my job or my, my business just seems to be struggling. Well, have you ever taken a moment to dedicate those things to God? So I, I encourage you to do that. You can start today. You probably won't finish today. But just start writing out your prayer. God, I give you my family. God, I, I give you this house. God, may it be not just a blessing for me, but may it be a blessing for others. May this be a place of safe refuge. God, may we invite people. May we do this. God, I pray for my family. God, I pray that you would keep them on the straight and the narrow. God, I pray that your presence would be with them everywhere they go. God, I pray that you would keep them healthy, that you'd keep them safe, that you would protect them, right? And you just begin to write those things out. And, and, and you can edit it and change it over time. But then I challenge you, once you got that prayer written out, man, every day, wake up, and it's okay. You have my permission. You can read your prayers, okay? And you can just read it right off of there. And watch what happens when every day you, you pray that blessing over your family. You, you pray that blessing over your job or your business. You pray that blessing over your house. Watch what changes. Watch what changes in you. Right? You're going to be looking for those things. You're going to be asking for those things. And you're going to see God move in real ways. I believe that. And I believe that's what David did. He wrote this out so he can say, God, this is what I want to see. And he asked. And the Lord answered. God answered, and God established his kingdom, and, and, and God made that place, man, a, a place of his presence. So today, we're going to just have that song playing. I choose to praise. 
I choose to praise. And I, I encourage you during this moment, I just want you to, to stay in your seats and, and find a pen, borrow someone from a neighbor next to you, and just begin. Maybe it's writing out a prayer for the first time, you've never done it, or maybe it's something that you want to say, God, I dedicate this to you. I dedicate my family. I dedicate my job. Whatever it might be, God, I'm dedicating this to you. So let's take these next few moments together and, and let's just be intentional with our prayers today. So Jesus, God, I, I pray that you would give us the right words, God, that you would put things on our heart, that you'd be, help us to become passionate. God, we dedicate things to you because we know that they're not ours, they're yours. They're for your glory. So God, uh, we pray that you would answer these prayers today, that you would change our homes, our families, our jobs, our schools. God, that you would, you would change us, that we would see that you answer prayer today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So take these next few moments and just begin to write out those prayers.
Now, I know you could take a lot more time and you could write all that out, and I encourage you to do so. I encourage you, don't just stop here, but take it home with you and, and continue to write out those prayers or to, to get those wording just right as you offer it up to God. Would you stand with me today? I wrote out a prayer, uh, a dedication uh, of this building and of God's people, of us, his church. And uh, if you don't mind, I'm going to read my prayer as we leave today. Oh God, creator of the universe and lover of my soul, you are all wise and all knowing. You are holy. There's no building that can hold you. There's no galaxy that can contain you. Thank you for unconditionally loving and leading your church, who are your people. Thank you for guiding us through this difficult season. Thank you for giving new life to every person who has come to you with their burdens. May this building be marked by your presence. From the first moment anyone walks into these doors, from the first handshake to the last goodbye, may your presence be evident. God, we dedicate this space to you. May people come and hear your voice and feel the promptings of the Holy Spirit. May their lives be forever changed in your presence. We know that in this world, we will go through pain and suffering. When we do, God, we choose to hold on to you. We choose to stay faithful. We choose to trust in you. For your anger lasts only a moment, but your favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may remain for a night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. We dedicate this place to you as a place that will glorify your name. May this place uh, be a place where broken people come and find healing. May this be a place where the weary find rest. May this be a place where people on empty are filled with your Holy Spirit. May this be a place where people grow and mature in their relationship with you. May this be a place where missionaries are called and where missionaries are sent. May your people be marked by your presence. May your spirit fill us as we exit this building, that in every conversation, every encounter, may we be a shining city on a hill, overflowing with your presence and splashing on anyone who crosses our path, that our community would see, sense, and feel God's love when they see your people. Jesus, you are our king. You are in control. We choose to praise you today and tomorrow and forever. We choose to love God, to love people, and to share Christ everywhere we go. And everybody said, amen, amen. Be blessed this week, church, and uh, have a happy 4th of July. And continue praying. Write out those prayers and pray to Jesus every day.